Amen. If you would remain standing as you are able, as we read our scripture passage this evening, we are finishing our series in Colossians. Our passage this evening is Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 to the end of the book in verse 18. Colossians chapter 4, beginning in chapter, or in verse 7, excuse me. Hear the word of the Lord. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Paphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is God's word. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we come to you this evening in need of a word from you. The world speaks to us all week long, offering empty promises, and our hearts yearn and long for you as in a dry land with no water. We are parched, we are thirsty, we are hungry, O God, for your word. Would you feed us? Would you come and satisfy us with your truth? Would we leave this place full and fed from your very hand? Would you supernaturally meet every need in this room? I ask these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can learn a lot about a church from their church directory. When you hear about a popular church or a pastor In the news, maybe you've done this, I'll often go online and check out the church's website to see what the church is all about. Most churches will post their staff directory online, a a photo of the pastor, their name, their ministry, and a little blurb about their life and experience. But before the internet, and up until just recently, there were the old-fashioned printed church directories. Maybe you have one or two of them 
lying around at home. And I was fortunate enough to get the 1991 pictorial directory for College Church in Wheaton. Are you ready to go down memory lane? You have on the, the front page senior pastor Kent Hughes, and he lays out the vision of the church, that the gospel moves upward and then inward and then outward. And then you have key ministry leaders like Larry Fullerton, associate pastor, Mark Mayfair, pastor of Christian education, David Helm, pastor of outreach, and John Dennis, youth pastor, Randy Felder, interim college pastor, Alina May Welsh, special education visitation coordinator, Paul Lusher, minister of music. It was so fun to go through this this week, and I noticed things have changed a little bit since 1991. People have a lot less mullets nowadays. They wear a lot less neon colors, among other things. If anyone wants to look at this after the service, there's a lot of great blackmail material in here. It was fun. A church directory is, of course, a list of the names and faces of those in your church family. It's a compilation of people that minister the gospel. A church directory serves to document and, in some sense, remind us that we are a family, that we're a community, that we're a team. There are different faces, there are different stories, different names. Different gifts, one church. Our text this evening is a little bit like a staff directory of the early church. Of course, there are no photos, but our passage gives a list, a compilation of Paul's church network. And so tonight, we are going to flip through and we are going to scroll down the list of Paul's church staff directory. If you haven't been with us this summer, we have been working our way through Paul's letter to the Colossians, and Paul has been encouraging the Christians there to walk in Christ, rooted and built up and established in Him. We have learned that there were false teachers who were trying to lead the church away from Christ and into human traditions, into man-made religion, and Paul has been urging this church. I love Pastor Dan's image. Like after a Thanksgiving Day meal, I'm full. Christ has so filled me and satisfied my soul that I don't need anything else. I don't need any other teaching. Christ is all. So now we come to the end of our series and the end of the letter where Paul is greeting the church in Colossae. In some ways, Paul is really just answering this question. What does everything that I've said previously in Colossians look like? What does it mean in Colossians 3.11 that there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all? Our text is just the community that embodies the truth of Colossians. In some sense, our passage, we are just seeing the gospel at work a community walking together in Christ. But if you're a keen Bible reader, you'll notice that the greeting to the Colossians is abnormally long. In fact, I've done the math. The greeting accounts for 15% 
of the entire letter. It's the second longest greeting in the New Testament after Romans 16. Why? Well, three reasons, I think. One of the reasons is because Paul has has never met this church, and so this long greeting serves to validate his ministry through these personal relationships. It's a lot like when you meet someone and realize you have a lot of friends in common. It brings you closer. It makes you trust them more. So Paul is doing that. Secondly, Paul is writing a long greeting here to commend these co-workers as faithful Christians. He's saying, these people are worthy of following. Be like them. I commend them to you. But last, and I think most importantly, Paul writes this long greeting to encourage the Colossians that they are not alone in their walk with Christ. Paul is saying, look at all these people who are walking in Christ with you. Look how different they are. Look how one they are. They are on your team, and you are not alone. Do you feel alone this evening? Do you feel like friends you used to know just aren't reaching out the way they used to? You sometimes feel like you're a lone ranger, only child Christian. You feel like sometimes you don't fit in in church, in this church. Well, God wants to encourage you this evening. You are not alone in your walk with Christ. You have co-walkers. You have a church family to walk with you step by step. And Paul gives this long greeting to say in so many words, you have a diverse network of gospel co-workers that are all striving for your maturity in Christ. God has created a mixed ministry team called the church in order that you might continue to have a fixed, firm faith. You have a mixed team for a fixed faith. Mixed means that we have people from different backgrounds, different zip codes, different tax brackets, different life experiences, different cultures, different ethnicities, all walking together in pursuit of a mature faith in Christ, a faith that is fixed and immovable and confident. You have a mixed team for a fixed faith. So we are just going to walk through our text this evening. There are 10 individuals that Paul mentions, and we are just going to explain and fill out a little bit the life story of each of these co-workers. But can I be honest? Is this a safe place? If I were reading this passage in my own personal Bible reading, this would be one of those passages I might be tempted to skip. Am I the only one who feels like it's difficult sometimes in Leviticus or in Ezekiel? Sometimes it can be a little bit of a walk through the mud. This passage is just a greeting, right? Well, I want to encourage you to hang in there with me. These are the real people of the early church. They had feelings and stories and personalities. And I encourage you to ask the question, who do I resonate with? There are 10 of these individuals, so if it seems like we are flying through these, we are. (laughs) But we will end with some application to close our time together. Well, first, in verse 7, you could see in your Bibles, 
is Tychicus. Paul writes, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So Paul is sending Tychicus with this letter. He's the messenger. He's the mailman. We know from Acts 20 verse 4 that Tychicus is from Asia Minor in modern-day Turkey and that he was with Paul on his third missionary journey. He also delivered the letter to the Ephesians. We learn in Ephesians 6.21. And what is Tychicus doing in Ephesians 6.21? He's delivering the letter. He's letting them know how things are going. And he's encouraging their hearts, the same thing that he's doing here in Colossians. In essence, his job was to take the word of God to the people of God and encourage their hearts. What a great example of faithful ministry. Look at the generous words Paul uses to describe him. Beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in the Lord. If you notice in Colossians 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul is struggling that the Colossians' hearts might be encouraged. And now Paul is sending Tychicus to the Colossians with that same ministry goal, to encourage their hearts. How are we doing as a church and encouraging one another's hearts? Tychicus shows us that gospel ministry is taking the word of God to the people of God and encouraging their hearts. So maybe next time you encourage someone, make sure to encourage them with scripture. Try and make your encouragement founded upon the rock of the word. Tychicus was part of the mixed team for their fixed faith. Oh, and by the way, along with Tychicus, Onesimus is coming too. You can see it in verse 9. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Onesimus is a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Onesimus is a Colossian. And if you've read the letter to Philemon recently, you'll also know that Onesimus was a slave, a bondservant. Onesimus met Paul when he was in prison and became a Christian. We learn that his master Philemon was also a Christian. And so when Onesimus gets to Colossae, he has an interesting conversation to have with Philemon. In so many words, Paul writes in Philemon, basically, receive Onesimus back, not as a runaway slave, but as a brother in the Lord. What a beautiful and tangible picture of how the gospel was at work to restore the relationship between Onesimus and Philemon. Onesimus, he was part of this mixed team for a fixed faith. Paul shifts from commending these messengers and switches to sending greetings from his fellow prisoners. The first is Aristarchus. You can see him in verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. We learn from Acts 27 that Aristarchus was from Thessalonica. He traveled with Paul during his third missionary journey and was with Paul in Ephesus and now is imprisoned with Paul. 
We know that Aristarchus was a close ministry companion to Paul who stuck with him together through thick and thin. So I can only imagine that that chained up in that cell together, they would pray together and encourage one another as they endured the sores and shackles of their chains together. Aristarchus, he too was on the mixed team for a fixed faith. Next we have Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, who Paul has to make a certain note, did you catch it? Concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. In Acts 15, remember, Mark was the guy who was on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas and then left them in Pamphylia and and leaving Paul and Barnabas high and dry. Mark, it seems, was a bit unreliable. Some might have called him a flake. In Acts 15, Barnabas wanted to take his cousin Mark on the journey, but Paul didn't. So they had a sharp disagreement and parted ways. But now, here in Colossians, we see that Mark and Paul were reconciled because Paul commends Mark to the Colossians. What's more, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul asked for Mark to be brought to him because Paul said he was, quote, very useful for me in ministry. Mark is the comeback kid. Look at the way the gospel was at work in their relationship. Mark was unreliable. He was not dependable, at least from Paul's perspective. And here in Colossians, Mark makes a comeback. Paul says, forget about the past, you Colossians. You've received instructions. Make sure you welcome him. The gospel was at work reconciling divided Christians in Paul's ministry. What a great example for us. Do you have any Christians in your life that left you high and dry? Any relationships with Christians in your life that are maybe strained? Maybe it's time to give them a call. We see that the gospel brings even divided Christians like Paul back together. Even Mark, the comeback kid, he was part of the mixed team for a fixed faith. And then we have verse 11, Jesus, who was called Justice. Can you imagine the early Christians who were named Joshua, a common name back then? And then Jesus comes around, divine and all. And uh, they all have to change their names because no one wants to be known as the Savior. That's what we see here. We don't know anything about this guy. He isn't mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. The only thing we know about him is that they called him justice. He could represent the ordinary, faithful, humble Christian that goes to church, doesn't make a fuss, and says, my name is John Smith, but you can call me whatever you like. Jesus called justice. He too was part of the mixed team for a fixed faith. Verse 11 goes on to say that Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice were all circumcised, and they have been a comfort to Paul. These three men were comforters to Paul, probably because they reflected cooperation between the Jews and the Gentiles in Paul's gospel ministry. 
Paul, especially in Romans 9 to 11 and in Ephesians 1 to 2, is constantly trying to keep the peace between Jewish and Gentile Christians. But these three Jews, co-workers in the gospel, were a comfort to Paul because they kept the peace. All three of them were the kind of small group that brought people together, and they were a comfort to Paul. They were peacemakers. And then verse 12, we, we get to the darling, the star of our passage. It's Epaphras. We met Epaphras earlier in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Epaphras was the founding pastor of this Colossian church plant, and he was likely in prison with Paul, and that he, verse 12, is a Colossian. You can see it in verses 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. The text says that Epaphras was always struggling on the Colossians' behalf in his prayers. He was a hard worker for the church, and he was a great pastor. The word struggling in verse 12 is used by Paul earlier in Colossians 1.29 to describe his struggle in ministry to present everyone mature in Christ. The image of struggle is of a, of a fighter in the public games, contending and wrestling and fighting and working with all of their might. That's how Epaphras was praying. He was diligent. He was intense. He was rigorous in his prayer life for the church. And I have to ask, do we pray like that? Do you fight to protect your time of prayer? Are you, as chapter 4, verse 2 put it, watchful and diligent in prayer? Because I confess I don't tend to think about prayer in those terms. But Paul and Epaphras are working and toiling for their fellow Christians like soldiers in the trenches of private prayer. And what were Paul and Epaphras, it's getting hard to say, Epaphras praying for? Well, here's a theme that runs all the way through Colossians. That they, verse 12, may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. They are praying that the Colossians would stand firm in all of God's purposes for them in Christ. Paul and Epaphras didn't want sandy soil Christians where at the first earthquake things come tumbling down. But as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, they were after faith built on the rock which endures through every earthquake and storm. I confess, it's sad to see sometimes, but when we look at some churches and ministries around the country, some church ministries only want numbers. They want to market the gospel to as many people as possible and get as many decisions to follow Christ as they can. And wanting people to come to know Christ is a good thing. But one of the interesting things that you will see as you read the New Testament and Paul's letters in particular is that Paul is overwhelmingly excited, not just when people make professions of faith, but Paul is praying for and working towards and excited when people mature in their faith 
and stand firm in him. The mission wasn't over when people were baptized. No, the mission for Paul was just beginning. And here Epaphras, too, was praying for and struggling in and teaching for maturity. That these churches that they started would persevere, be firm in their faith, and stand mature. In other words, that they would have a fixed faith. Epaphras shows us that gospel ministry doesn't end in conversion. No, it continues into deeper and deeper maturity. Epaphras, maybe most of all, was a model in this mixed team for a fixed faith. Next is verse 12. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Luke is, of course, the author of the two-volume work, what we now know as Luke and Acts, and he's a doctor. Luke went to med school. He was very educated and wrote his gospel to provide an orderly account, a closely researched account of Jesus' life, life. In our terms, Luke had an MD and multiple other PhDs. And Luke used those degrees. He used his expertise to serve the church. He's a model for us on how to utilize his high position to advance the gospel. We also know from 2 Timothy 4 that Luke was one of the only other people who was with Paul near the end of his life. Luke was smart and faithful to the end. He too was part of the mixed team for a fixed faith. And then we have Demas, who is mentioned in Philemon as well, another co-worker with Paul. We learn in 2 Timothy 4 that Paul writes that Demas, quote, in love with this present world has deserted me, Paul was speaking that, and gone to Thessalonica. Now this doesn't necessarily mean that Demas was no longer a Christian at that point, but we do see some disagreements between Paul and Demas, and uh, it affected their, their later ministry together, which at least reminds us that the church is not perfect. There will be disagreements, and I'm encouraged that here in our passage, written earlier than 2 Timothy, there is peace. Only God can really know whether Paul and Demas reconciled. I hope they did. But Demas, nevertheless, was part of the mixed team for a fixed faith. Paul now switches from sending greetings to other people and now sends his own greetings in verse 15. He greets the sister church plant at Laodicea and then Nympha and the church that meets at her house. Nympha was likely a wealthy widow who used her estate and her large home as a meeting place for the Laodicean church plant. Nympha was a benefactor, a woman with means, and a Christian who used her wealth to further the gospel in Laodicea. She too was part of this mixed team for a fixed faith. Verse 16 says, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and also see that you read the letter from Laodicea. It was a common practice as Paul wrote letters to the churches that they would share those letters with the neighboring churches as they studied and preached these letters. So here we have that practice in place. 
And the Colossians read the Laodicean letter, which is now lost. We don't have it. And the church in Laodicea read the Colossian letter, which we have been studying. And this is how the word of God spread and how we now have the New Testament from church to church, acknowledging the authority of these letters. And now we come to our last co-worker before Paul himself. His name is Archippus, verse 17, and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill your ministry in the Lord. We don't know much about Archippus, except that he was in jail with Paul, according to Philemon, though we don't know much about him. Paul did. Perhaps Archippus was going through a tough time in his ministry. Maybe he was feeling burnt out or discouraged or was being heavily persecuted in his ministry work. So Paul makes a charge to him with a specific word for him only. Think about how powerful that would have been as the letter is being read out to the whole church. And then Paul singles him out and says, Fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Archippus, in need of encouragement and strength, he too was part of the mixed team for a fixed faith. Our passage ends as Paul writes in his own hand a greeting. It's likely that a scribe wrote Colossians, and now Paul is signing the letter as he usually does. He says, verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is how the Colossians knew the letter was authentic. They could see Paul's handwriting. Paul encourages them to remember his chains, which is shorthand for pray for me while I am in prison. Remember my chains also serves as an encouragement for the church that Paul was struggling for the gospel with them. He was saying in so many words, if you think you've got it bad, look at me. I'm struggling with you and I'm in jail. Remember my chains to spur you on to stand in the faith. So in our ministry team, don't forget Paul. He was on the mixed team for a fixed faith. So here we have Paul's church staff directory an embodiment and a reflection of the gospel that the Colossians first believed, real people in real life. As I close, here are just three applications for us as we consider what it means to be a mixed team and a strive for each other's fixed faith. Three applications. They are know, seek, and stand. First, there is something for us to know. You need to know, Christian, that you are not alone. You have an extended family of gospel co-workers that are striving for your maturity in Christ. Take a look around this room. The next time you're in a Sunday morning service, take a look around the sanctuary and know that you have brothers and sisters in Christ who are here with you, walking with you in Christ, no matter what you may feel, no matter how Satan might try to tempt you, you are not alone. Maybe you might be here this evening and you feel like, I just don't fit in here at this church, a college church, 
I don't have the family or the home or the 2.5 kids or the 10 grandkids. But look at Paul's church staff director here. We have Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, wealthy and poor, married and single, PhDs and GEDs, all working together in Christ. You do belong here. It's not because you live in 60187 or have a 630 phone number, but it's because Christ has purchased you. He has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son. God has done that objectively, and he brings to himself people from all walks of life. Know that. Know that you are not alone. And if you're here this evening and you would not call yourself a Christian, we are so glad that you are here. We want nothing more than for you to know Jesus and to place your faith in him. We want you to join the team. The roster is open. We would love to lead you to Christ and into membership in this church so that you may know that you are not alone. Second, speak. Speak encouragement. Notice in our passage that there is this encouragement going on. Tychicus was sent that he might encourage their hearts. Paul is encouraging Archippus to fulfill his ministry that he received from the Lord. Paul says for the Colossians to welcome Mark. This mixed team was a team defined not by being different, but by being one in Christ, by being encouraging. So who can we encourage this week? Who can you text a note of encouragement to after this service? Who in your life needs prayer and encouragement that God would give them maturity and firm assurance in faith? Which one of our pastors is Archippus and needs a word and needs an encouragement? See that you fulfill the ministry that the Lord has given you. What I love about our text is it's simply real people applying the gospel in real life. This is what walking in Christ looks like. So let's be a church that continues to speak gospel encouragement to one another. Third and finally, stand. Stand firm in Christ. We are ending our series tonight. This will be the last word that you hear from our study in Colossians. So I want to plead with you and encourage you to stand firm in Christ. We live in a divided time. We live in a time where there are so many opinions and so much empty philosophy and people are being led astray, walking in ways that are contrary to Christ. And it breaks my heart. And so tonight, recommit yourself, devote yourself anew to following hard after Jesus. Treasure your identity in Christ above everything because he, Colossians 1, is Lord over everything and in him are all the riches of wisdom. Stand firm in Christ because Colossians 2, you have been filled in him, raised with him through faith and forgiven all of your crimes.
Stand firm in Christ because Colossians 3, you have died with Christ and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And stand firm in Christ, Colossians 4, because we have a mission to proclaim the gospel working together as a mixed team for a fixed faith. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we do thank you that we are not alone. We thank you that you have saved us into a community of faith. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to show Christ's love and encouragement to one another here at College Church. Would you help us to encourage one another's hearts, to minister to one another deeply through your word? And finally, Lord, we ask that we would continue to walk in Christ alone, that he would continue to satisfy our hearts alone, that we would stand firm, fully assured in him alone. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.